Welcome to the Alien Analysis Podcast, an unscripted podcast where I go on the quest to find the truth, whatever that may be. I'm your host, Darren, and this week I want to start by, well, apologising. You see, at the time of recording this, I actually don't know if this episode is going to be going out on time or not. And the reason for this is simple. This week, if you're not aware, we're supposed to get a, another round of disclosure, or at least a an updated report on UAPs. Now, if you're not aware of what's going on this week, the uh, Director of National Intelligence for the US had until last thing Monday to provide an updated report to Congress on UAP reports over the last year. So I wanted to hang on for as long as I could to see if there was anything that needed to be uh, included or reported on this week. Well, as it happens, um, the report did go in and there are a couple of news sources that are telling us or giving us some basic information. Now I have to make it perfectly clear. I, I don't know if these news outlets genuinely have seen or have been given a, sort of a, a heads up as to what to expect. But what they're saying is, is that this is a 22-page report covering uh, 366 individual cases. And the biggest thing that's being said about this is that only half of these cases can actually be explained. Now, if this is true, that's quite big. That's actually a, a huge number. You've got to understand here that we're talking about the US military, the US government. People that have access to the greatest and latest technology on this planet. These people should be able to identify things, or at least the majority of them. But no, in the 366 cases they admit to, only half of them, which is, what, 183 cases, roughly. I presume half is a a sort of a, a ballpark figure rather than an exact, but you're talking over 150 at least, possibly over 180 cases, can't be identified. How? How can we not identify these things? I mean, even I, with my limited skill set and very limited uh, access to technology, can probably identify and solve about 75% of the UFO cases that come my way. So how can the US government or the US military not achieve the same sort of figures with everything they've got? I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. But it does make me ask. You know, are we again? It, is there proof here again that we could be heading towards some form of full disclosure? Full admittance that this planet is being visited by a species from elsewhere? Now, like I said, at this point, it's too early to to go into a great deal of detail. We're just getting what we're getting from a couple of major outlets, news outlets, that is. But if genuine, this report could be very interesting. And we will actually find out, or the public will find out later this week, when uh, we're due to see the, 
unclassified public summary released online. And, of course, once it's released, I will read it and give you my opinion, which will be next week. It'll be interesting. I really look forward to seeing what this means. What we might find out, and hopefully, touch wood, fingers crossed, it might add some strength to some of my theories. Or it might not. Well, we'll find out in a week's time. Anyway, this week I really want to get into discussing a UFO event that happened in 1980. And one that is one of the more famous UFO events to happen in the UK. What I'm talking about here is the Rendlesham Forest incident that happened or started on the 26th of December that year. And to be a little more precise about the location, this actually, or this event, centres around predominantly the US base uh, Woodbridge. And what happened is that uh, on the 26th of December 1980, about 3 o'clock in the morning, a number of security guards based at uh, Woodbridge saw a, a ball of light crash into the nearby forest. And this single event sparked off probably one of the, the more complicated, more interesting UFO sightings ever to happen on UK land. Now, first up, let, let's cover the, the ball of light, because it has been explained by many that this was a, a meteorite, a shooting star. There was a, a meteorite confirmed at the exact, or pretty much the exact time that this uh, event happened. So... There is potentially a genuine rationale or explanation for what they saw. Now before I move on, I do have issues though with this. Because, let's think about this sensibly. I've seen shooting stars and I cannot honestly say that I would confuse a shooting star with something crashing into the forest. I don't know, I, I, I don't quite know how to explain this, but to me, when I consider uh, a shooting star versus something crashing into the forest, to me, the two would look completely, completely different. For starters, a, a shooting star tends to be over in less than a second. It's just an instant flash of light and it's done. To call it uh, an object crashing into the forest says that that light continued down to at least beyond the horizon. And I personally have never ever seen anything like this. But this incident, this light, this ball of light travelling and potentially crashing into the ground caused enough of a stir for the security guards to be called to action for want of a better way of putting this it went out over the radio and they got permission or three of them got permission to go out and investigate now like i said i I don't know if i'm explaining this well or making my opinion clear here but three guards left their post to go and investigate what we're told was a shooting star it doesn't to me make sense would you leave a guard post unattended 
for such a thing. It's got to be something more solid than just a shooting star. I don't know how else to put this. And let's be blunt, it's also just my opinion. Because, yes, it could have potentially just been a shooting star and the guards. All of them could be accused of having overactive imaginations. Possibly. But anyway, I mean, to continue, at this point, I believe uh, three of the guards were given permission to go into the forest and investigate further. So they left via the east gate and proceeded into the forest where they saw a flashing light. They followed it until they realised, or we're told, until they realised it was the lighthouse at Orford Ness. Now, this lighthouse is about seven and a half kilometres away from the base, and if you were to walk in the direction that we're told they walked, yes, this lighthouse would have been directly in front of you. Now, we have to take... uh, a lot of what I'm about to say next as as best we can because what we're told is that at this point in history, at this point in time, there would have been a fairly clear sight of the light. There has been a couple of videos from the time apparently showing this to be true and I've seen them and yes, you can see a flashing light which does look like the lighthouse. Additionally... Um, we're also told, and again, this is fact, that two of the officers that went out to investigate were actually new to the base, so wouldn't have known about the lighthouse. And the third guy, a guy called uh, Cabinsack, had never been into the woods at night. So again, would not have been aware, or we're told would not have been aware of the lighthouse. So, yeah... In this part of the story, again, we have a plausible explanation. But, in my usual fashion, I've got issues with this as well. Because, surely, with a a base, a a US military base, people on that base would know about the lighthouse. And know that you could see flashing lights in the woods at night. I... I don't know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are strange lights flashing in the woods at night near your military base. Surely the whole base is told the rationale and the reason behind it to stop any such uh, misuse, not misuse, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Unnecessary use of resources to investigate the lighthouse. (laughs) Again, I I don't know if I'm explaining this perfectly, but what I'm getting at here is, although there are valid explanations for the story so far, it requires, uh, going to sound rude saying this, but an element of stupidity on the behalf of the American military and their personnel. And I'm sorry, but I can't see that. I just can't see that these people would fall for this. Not fall for, that's the wrong word, but that they would not have known about the lighthouse. That the military would say, oh, please don't worry about that light. You'll see it's just the lighthouse. 
But in the days that followed, one of the, the guards, a gentleman called uh, Peniston, provided a, a statement. In fact, they all provided statements. But within Peniston's statement, he claimed to have seen uh, a mechanical object that, as he tried to approach, or as they tried to approach, it kept moving away. He estimated it really never got any closer than around 50 metres. And the bigger story here with this particular part is that in later dates, at later interviews, he would claim that he touched, or people would say that Peniston touched this object. Well, this part of the story, I doubt. I don't think he touched anything. Because if you are going to provide a report, why would you turn around and say you never got any closer than 50 metres? If you actually got so close, you could touch it. So no, I, I, I struggle with this part. I basically agree with those trying to debunk in this instance i don't think he did i don't think he genuinely touched the ufo or the object now another thing to make clear about this uh, or peniston's statement regarding a mechanical object is we are told he's the only one to mention this yes his supervisor peniston's supervisor did confirm in his statements that uh, peniston had mentioned this over the radio but, you know, at the end of the day, we are relying on Peniston's words here. But the fact that he said he saw something, a mechanical object, and reported it into his supervisor, tells me that Peniston genuinely thought he saw something. Something more than just a light in the distance. Now, I've read Peniston's statement and all of the statements involved in this case. And a couple of things, to me, jump out. Number one... Although it is correct that nobody uh, within their statements directly claims to have seen a mechanical object, nobody says anything that would disagree with this piece of information. And secondly, in uh, Peniston's statement, it doesn't sound to me like he's describing a lighthouse. At one point he said it uh, illuminated the ground below. Now, I don't believe, no, I, 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 I'm sure a lighthouse that's over seven kilometers away would illuminate the ground in front of these people. Yes, it might cause some light flaring as they, as they looked at it in the night, but it wouldn't illuminate the ground, not in the way in which they describe, Peniston describes. Now, he also turns around and says that when they approached it, as they tried to get closer to this object, it moved away in a zigzag pattern through the woods. Now, those trying to debunk this situation have said that this was caused by, for want of a better way of putting it, an optical illusion. That it was their movement uh, against the trees and against the, the lighthouse in the far distance that caused it to look like the, the light was moving away in a zigzag. Now, yes, under certain circumstances, this is possible, but not under these circumstances. Because to create a movement like this that you would describe as a zigzag requires 
quite rapid movement from side to side on your behalf. If they're saying they're following this object, they're going to be walking directly towards it. Not walking left, right, left, right, which is what would cause this. To kind of give a bit more detail, to create the, the zigzag movement, you're going to need to move more than just a couple of steps to the left or a couple of steps to the right. You're going to need to move distance, you know, rapid distance to the left, rapid distance to the right. That creates the illusion. But they weren't. Like I said, they were walking directly towards this object. This claimed optical illusion, although possible, is a real stretch to claim this as as the rationale and the answer for this. And so, no, I, I can't agree with this explanation. Going on further, it is mentioned that they saw blue and red lights not just yellow and white but multiple colors here now i don't think i need to tell you but lighthouses give off a white stroke yellowish light yes again if you're struggling or your eyes are struggling to see things at night and focus on them Sometimes you can see all things show to you to have other colours. But again, this is a possible answer. It doesn't really answer it properly. But more to the point, it is a, a subject that most people that try to debunk this don't cover at all. It just gets ignored. They just talk about the light generally. They don't mention colours. They don't mention or give rationale for the blue and red lights as described. Additionally, what's not mentioned here is that Peniston wasn't the only one that said this. It's also mentioned uh, by a gentleman called Burroughs, who said the same thing, mentioned the same multiple coloured lights. But you see, I think probably what I should be explaining now is that When I originally did the research on this particular event, I read several articles on it from both sides. And being blunt, when you read the articles, it really does lie or the strength lies with those trying to debunk. They make a better argument of this. And I honestly went into writing the notes for this episode thinking this was going to be me once again saying we've been lied to that this event is just bullshit. People exaggerating and manipulating facts to give a good sensational story. Well, once you start reading the documents, the data and the statements around this event it does shed a a very different light on it. I think a a great example is that in uh, a statement, it was said that they left, or the three soldiers left from the east gate and went down an old logging road. Now, if you look on the map, you will find this logging road. It's quite easy to see. And if you follow that along and take a direct line along the, the path of this road and carry that onto the coast, you will pretty much hit dead-on Orford Ness Lighthouse. This tells you that 
yes, that is a strong possibility. This is what the men could have seen. It makes perfect sense. You continue reading and, you know, you look at the fact that the distance they walked through the woods would have taken them towards the edge of the tree line and possibly provided them with a very clear view of the lighthouse or not the lighthouse itself, but the light coming off the lighthouse. Again, adding strength to what those trying to debunk this situation say. However, what they don't tend to mention regarding this part is in uh, Cabinsack's statement, he says they were originally called to the Eastgate to investigate because strange lights had been seen in the woods. Well, this changes a lot of things here because to me, like I said earlier, you want me to believe that there is a US military base with a few hundred personnel on and not one person on duty at that time had any knowledge of the the lighthouse had never seen it before and this was a, a completely new experience to the base a base that had existed for many many years and a lighthouse that had existed alongside it for many years it makes absolutely zero fucking sense. Yet, this is what those trying to debunk this story tell us. That the men involved would not have been uh, aware of the lighthouse for various reasons. Well, like I said, sorry, but that is, at best, flimsy. It's really grasping at straws. And the other thing uh, Cabinsack also mentions in his statement is, again, red, blue lights. And he describes them as uh, rapid movement or having rapid movement. And when you read his statement, the one thing that sticks out to me is that he seems to be talking about two different light sources. One constant flashing white light. And another series of red, blue and yellow lights moving and illuminating the ground. And I always stress this. This is my opinion. When I read this statement, this is the sense I get. These statements are available. Go and read them for yourselves. I'd love to hear your opinion on them. But the question it leaves me with is, yes, initially the white light could and probably was the lighthouse but what were the others these other lights where did they come from what were they but that really brings the first part of this story to a close so this is the night of the the 26th but it didn't finish there over the next few days various other activities happened and i believe um, local police uh, attended the scene and found what was described as three indentations on the ground and some marks on a tree on several trees and you can understand why when you read the description why some believe it was a ufo landing site However, the, the local police basically explain these away as 
rabbit scrapings and forest cuttings, as in the indentations on the grounds were rabbit scrapings and the cuts on the trees were caused by foresters. And, uh, again, I suppose so? I can kind of see this as a possible explanation, but I've got two dogs. I am the proud owner of two Border Collies. And one of them does occasionally do the scraping on the ground thing. And trust me, I would never describe that as indentations. They are clearly scrapings on the ground. So once again, that doesn't completely stack up for me. However, I must say, I've never seen a photo. I don't even know if there are any public photos out there where I can look and at least say if I agree that these look like some form of animal scraping and as for the the cuts or the marks on the tree being called forester cuts now first up this does happen foresters do use cuts as a way of marking trees that are I don't know marked or classified to be chopped down whether it be for harvesting or disease purposes So, yeah, very, very possible. But it's hard to say either way again at this point because there's no real further explanation offered than just it was probably caused by foresters. And here's the theme of this, isn't it? It's it's the, the ongoing same situation with this particular event. Things, unusual things have been seen and found and there has been explanations provided that although remain possible, are at best a, a stretch. Very, very flimsy at best. However, for me, this all changed two nights after the main event. So this was the 28th of December that year, when the deputy base commander, Charles Holt, went into the area himself to investigate. And there are several very interesting pieces of information that came from this particular uh, evening. Firstly, he took... So, first I asked you to explain, he didn't go on his own. There were others with him. um, And they took radiation equipment with them. So, basically Geiger counters... And what they found in the area is, what we are told is no more than background radiation levels. Nothing abnormal. Now, you will hear figures thrown around of 0.03 to 0.04. And I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of this because I'm going to be like, I don't fucking understand this. But apparently Geiger counters have various settings of sensitivity. So the readings they give can be translated. For I don't know how you put this, but seen as providing various levels. So when I first read uh, the evidence put forward by those debunking this uh, incident, it was very plausible. When you see the figures they give, and you just read the simple fact that the, the levels recorded were normal. Nothing strange about them. 
you kind of go, oh well, you you see the fact that people like Nick Pope um, use this as proof that there was some form of extraterrestrial involvement within this event, and you look at him, and I'll be blunt, I actually went, dear God, he's fucking lying to us. This is a guy that uh, was involved with the UFO investigations for the British government, and he should know how uh, to read levels coming from a, a Geiger counter. And he really did set me off on a horrible train of thought for a bit, going, well, if this guy's going to lie to us, you know, someone that we consider to be highly credible, who the bloody hell can we trust? Was he just outright lying? Was he ignoring facts? Was he exaggerating? What's going on here? But there did remain uh, at least some small amount of doubt. Because... From what I can gather, from the little bit I could understand about the the science of this, the readings provided by both sides were at best a little presumed. There was questions over the equipment being used, and to what extent or what uh, level of concern these readings should have given us. Either way, though, I must say that None of these readings, regardless of which side you listen to, were massive. They were still very small, very minor readings. It's just whether or not they're considered fairly normal or slightly elevated. That, that's the question here. But anyway, look, where this really, for me, got turned on its head, and the one thing that completely changed my opinion on this particular event was a recording taken by Holt himself. Now to explain what I'm talking about here, when Holt went out with his team to investigate this on the 28th, we are told and it's been confirmed that he took recording equipment with him and recorded live the events as they happened. Neither side uh, questions this or questions its validity. This is fact. It happened. Now I've listened to uh, this recording. It's available. It's about 20 minutes long. And what I will do is probably put a link in the uh, episode description for this week. Giving you the opportunity to download and listen to it for yourself. In fact, I would actually strongly recommend you do listen. Because... It's fucking amazing. It genuinely is incredible. Like I said, nobody, as far as I'm aware, is questioning its authenticity. It's genuine. However, the question within this recording, the question that comes from this recording is, how do you translate the events that happen? When I read the reports, read people's opinion on this, most people say that it doesn't make any serious claims about strange happenings. But trust me, and and I'm going to get into the details now, it does. It really does. Now the recording starts by describing the landing site. It mentions the aforementioned triangle a lot, and clearly states, and numerous individuals clearly state throughout this recording, that the Geiger counter is getting 
stronger readings within this area. And that's critical because whether or not you want to turn around and say the the readings are not abnormal in any way, that still doesn't explain why within the triangle area or triangular area, sorry, you get an increase, a sudden increase in readings. It's also clearly mentioned, uh, there's an entire discussion Holt and his team has regarding the marks on the trees. They say that they are all facing towards the centre of the triangle. Now, exactly what that means, I'm not completely sure. I'm presuming they're meaning the, the face these marks are on, all are the face that's towards the centre and not that they're all kind of pointing like arrows towards the centre but like I said can't be sure but either way it's still very unusual and you even hear Holt at one point claim that he's never seen pine trees damaged like that again surely surely if you'd seen marks made by foresters using a chainsaw or even a handsaw you would recognise that marking, that damage, yet uh, apparently Holt doesn't. He has no understanding of how these markings could have happened. And then you've got the the guy counter readings actually at the markings on the tree. And this <laughs> this gets really interesting because they get higher readings again at these marks on the trees. Again, I must explain, not massive, it's it's nothing extreme, but there's a definite increase. But where this does get shocking is, that increase is only on one side, the side with the damage, the side facing the, the central triangle. You can clearly hear them saying that they got absolutely no readings whatsoever on the far side, the opposite side. But he then goes on, so Holt goes on to mention that the trees look broken above. He talks about branches snapped off at 15 and 20 feet up. Well, first off, yes, okay, so we've got the explanation of the marks on the trees being foresters. And like I said earlier, foresters in certain circumstances do genuinely mark trees that are, or need to be or due to be cut down. But why would you climb 15 to 20 feet up to break branches again doesn't make any sense and it's another fact that those looking to debunk this situation fail to mention Holt also mentions the fact that the 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 canopy the tree canopy above seems to have been somewhat cleared now I know that's not his exact words I'm using my words but he said it's cleared, he, he can see through to the sky, and my immediate question when I heard that is, well, what would have caused that? What would have come down through the trees to create such a thing, or such damage? And when you put the facts together, that something has broken the branches, created a hole in the canopy, left three indentations, and markings on several of the trees facing in towards the the indentations which form a triangle it's clear to see why many claim this to be a, a ufo landing site i can think of no other 
explanation off the top of my head. But then things get very interesting. It's at this point in the audio when they suddenly spot a light. Again, many trying to debunk this situation have said this was the lighthouse. But in the audio, it is clearly described as a red light. Same again as described by the the three guys two nights prior. It's not described as a white light. So to use the, the lighthouse as a valid explanation doesn't really stack up. Or at least not particularly well. And they also talk about it rising. Would, seriously, would a, a, a lighthouse rise? Under what circumstances would a, a lighthouse light appear to rise? I'm not obviously saying a lighthouse light would ever rise, but is there a circumstance where they may have perceived it as rising? I can't think of a, a rationale for that. It's not like they're talking or you you can clearly hear they're not moving any great distance here. So it's not like they're, they're walking into a, a dip in the ground and it gives the illusion of it rising. Again, no explanation for this. However, to be fair, the one thing they do say is they describe or the direction they describe this light coming from was at 110 degrees. And you can go and do this yourself. If you go to Google Maps, you will be able to find the actual landing site. It's marked on Google Maps. And if you take 110 degrees from that site, you will be looking directly at the lighthouse. But here's the next question. And and this one is very, very difficult to answer. Would they have seen the lighthouse from where they are? Those looking to debunk say clearly they can. Those looking to prove this is a genuine UFO landing, give us the opposite answer. I sit on the fence somewhat here because, yes, I I can see it's possible, but the circumstances would have to be, I don't know, perfect or correct for it to be so. There's a lot between uh, the UFO landing site and the lighthouse. A hell of a lot. There's woods, there's more trees, there's buildings. Yes, the land is flat enough, but there is so much out there that could obscure the, the, the light. The other thing that springs to mind is, throughout this recording, they don't see the light. If it is the lighthouse, they don't seem to notice it. Yet all of a sudden, it's front and centre, the most important thing, the, the thing that's got their attention. That tells me that they couldn't see the lighthouse. That at that point in time, the lighthouse was not, or the light from the lighthouse was not visible. So either something changed that allowed them to suddenly see it, or... There happened to be something else out there that just so happened to be in the same direction as the lighthouse. Now, like I say, I don't have the answer to that particular question. But you see, keep listening to the audio and things get even more interesting. Because as you start getting into it a bit further, you start to, well, I started to realise that they weren't talking about a single light here. They were actually talking about 
multiple lights moving at speed in various colors and more importantly in different directions it sounded to me do you know what when i listened to it the thing that crossed my mind is it sounded like they were watching some kind of amazing light show lighting up the night sky and this one fact blows the entire explanations provided apart it it destroys them because multiple lights in multiple directions cannot be from a single lighthouse now yes some people have turned around and said that the, the additional lights were stars in the sky but seriously anyone that gives that as an explanation has clearly not listened to the the the, the recording properly at uh, one point in the recording Holt actually says and this is his actual words here here he comes from the south he's coming towards us now now we're observing what appears to be a beam coming down to the ground (laughs) And, and think carefully about this so you've got a lighthouse that's pretty much due east yet he's describing a light moving in the south and shooting a beam of light onto the ground now first up he's a soldier he's a trained soldier and if there's one thing i know they know the difference between east and south i know certain people out there struggle with navigation but soldiers know the difference and secondly how does a lighthouse in the east with a single flashing white light explain a red light in the south shooting beams of light onto the floor but keep but like i said keep listening then they start talking about lights in the north so now you've got lights in the east lights in the north and one in the south none of it makes sense yes they may have seen or they part of this may have been the lighthouse genuinely the the light in the east could have been the lighthouse but this doesn't explain everything else and this is the shame with this particular incident that those that want to debunk and give this a genuine explanation be honest with you do a very good fucking job of it when you read what they've got to say it makes perfect perfect sense even i while doing the investigations for this particular episode started to question it i honestly thought that once again i was gonna do an episode and end up saying we'd all been fucking lied to again well i I was kind of right at the end of the day i meant lied to by our own community those that believe but in this particular one we're being lied to by those trying to debunk it because they are like i accuse those within the community ignoring facts skating over things things that completely change the story and the narrative yeah you can sit there and easily explain a light away as the lighthouse on the coast it makes sense it was in the right direction but when you get into the facts it doesn't make any sense it doesn't answer what was going on here even if you turn and say yes none of the soldiers at the base knew about the lighthouse they had all mistakenly witnessed a comet they had all mistakenly gone into the woods and thought they'd saw a ufo when actually it was just the lighthouse 
well, please explain to me how. Even if that is the case, that explains the red lights, the light in the south, the lights in the north, the lights in a completely different direction to the lighthouse. How does that explain the land in sight, the indentations, the marks on the trees, the trees or the, the branches snapped at 15 and 20 feet above ground? None of this is explained. But as I've already said, with a, a clever bit of misrepresentation of the facts, it can be debunked. But when you listen to the audio, and please, you know, 20 minutes, it take the time, you'll find out, or I'm hoping you will see what I see, which is that they clearly saw something, something very, very unusual, and something that deserves more investigation, more time spent on it. And I've got to say, out of everything I've seen over the years, it shocks me to have finally got round to doing thorough research on this particular event to find out that it's probably one of the most genuine UFO sightings I've ever read or, or researched, which is absolutely great for me. I, I'd be honest with you, I think I needed this right now. I was getting concerned. It's probably come across in uh, recent weeks that my concern was that everything I was approaching was flimsy or the evidence was flimsy and in some cases just an outright fucking lie for clicks and subscriptions on youtube and although my belief in uh, life on other planets never wavered my belief in ufo evidence on the videos and you know famous events that happened had been knocked I was honestly starting to believe that it was all just bullshit. Well, I'm not religious, but hallelujah. This week, I finally got something that's positive. I can only but say the Rendlesham incident is genuine. In my opinion, it is genuine. End of what it actually was, what they actually saw, I, I don't know the answer. But the fact that so many uh, people in authority have tried to debunk and put this one to bed tells me they're hiding something. Or potentially tells me they just don't know what bloody well happened that evening. But, you know, I mean, over the recent years or over the years that followed, Others or people involved like Penniston have done further interviews. And I particularly pull out Penniston here because I honestly don't think this chap has helped the situation. I do question some of his more recent claims. I feel bad saying it, but I do wonder if he has started exaggerating or telling stories personal game for profit it's more recent interview or in more recent interviews is when he started talking about actually touching an object and like i said earlier i don't believe that i don't believe that happens and the shame is is that that really does it it really strengthens 
the case against this. It helps people debunk it. But look, I mean, for now, I think this one, you know, Rendlesham stays on my radar. I think it's something that needs more investigation. And I'm not talking just by me. I'd like to see some serious, serious investigation into this one. I think it deserves it. And as always, if anything comes up, I will, of course, update you all in a future episode. But look, I'm going to call an episode for this week. I'd like to thank you for listening and please do hit that subscribe button for me. It really, really does help. And as always, I remind you that the truth exists for those prepared to hear it. However, it might not always be what you want to hear. And with that said, I look forward to speaking to you next time. Until then, I'm Darren and this is the Alien Analysis Podcast.